Mr. Pop. Dark. And the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too. There's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dan. Hey, we're live. It's me. It's him, Dan, and and it's that guy, Ben. (laughs) And today, we wanted to stop for a second and ask you guys how you're doing. We hope you're keeping safe and healthy in your homes, and we kind of wanted to go back to, to a time where none of this madness and chaos outside was happening. We want to take a look back at Dunwich. We're going to rewind the clock and review the whole set. So we're going to review the box as well as all of the uh, the Mythos packs that came out, um, starting with the House Always Wins and Extracurricular Activity. We're going to go over some of the encounter cards that we thought were interesting or had a huge impact on us, some of the player cards that we were most excited about cracking packs open for, and talk about some of the mechanics and themes from each of the uh, scenarios. So, before we do any of that, however, in each box comes a series of five investigators. This was the first, uh, after the core set, to be introduced to the to the pool of investigators, right? So, these investigators have... Have they stood the test of time? I mean, they're here. Zoe remains to be one of Ben's favorites, right? Yes, it's always great. <laughs> mostly for mostly for flavor. Uh, maybe maybe not necessarily mechanics, but the, I like the flavor. No matter when he's going into the jungle to murder snakes, it's for God. No matter if he's going into Arkham to murder witches, it's for God. And that's why we love Zoe. Rex, as we all know, was was flew too close to the sun and got hit by the taboo list, and uh, you know is is now in in uh, low S-tier rankings here with, with some of the best investigators in the game. Uh, Jenny is... So he, was, he was a god. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. He, he's always been uh, an incredible reporter and he will always remain uh, that way. Uh, Jenny, one of the most rich investigators in the game. Jim, Colin's favorite, one of the, one of the fan favorites. Good in Carcosa, good anywhere that you get more skulls in the bag. And Ashcan Pete, hey, one of the favorites of the community in general, right? I think uh, Mythos Busters just had a uh, contest where he lined up as the uh, the the second most popular in the whole game. So people still people pretty just cool. Love dogs. That's the thing. Like people just love anything that has a dog. In it's it. it's Duke and you, Human Companion Ashcan. Do you remember I mean, that movie with like Owen Wilson in it that was about a dog that mysteriously made like two hundred million dollars or something and was like it's like it was just a movie about a dog. Is that the one that was like Balto, but like the actual story of Balto? This was like a live action one. It was like My Dog something. Or like that movie like (laughs) My Dog Skip that I saw as a kid and hated. Like people just love dogs, man. I don't know what it is. Listen, we know you're anti-dog, dude. Marley and Me. Was it Marley and Me? Creating Control just mentioned. That's it. That's that's, it. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really funny. I was just going back and looking at this list. I'm not really a huge fan of any of these investigators. I know. I do like Rex a little bit. Rex was kind of fun, but... None of the others really clicked for me a whole bunch. Jenny's cool. I just, I don't know. Jenny's kind of fun. I, I think Jenny will be cool one of these days once there's like even more money cards in the game, maybe. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. I think her and Preston have a unique p- part in the uh, in the you know spectrum of investigators. But I mean, the, the Senate investigators is kind of weird because like Zoe and Rex, when they count, like, oh, these are just better versions or better at guardianing and seeking than uh, Roland and Daisy were. And then Jenny and Jim didn't really have as much support as they do now. Like they're a lot better. Those two are in a lot better shape now. Yeah, I think I think Luke's a dog. You know, he's there still. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's just been solid, right? Like I know for 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 single player, he's like absolutely ridiculously good. Just because he can hit the ground running, he's got. I mean, he could even just tech into like hugely strong cards like Lone Wolf, things like that. So like he'll always be be pretty solid. Yeah, like he's solid. I just I don't know if the expanded card bull has done anything to make him better. Uh, But he he started off solid, so you know he's good. Yeah. Well, let's start off by talking about the uh, the course set, or the the box set, right? We, we want to talk about the uh, mechanics and themes and um, yeah, extracurricular activity. Oh yeah, so this is you know scenario A uh, or one A. Um, I mean, story wise in Dunwich, the, the story for Dunwich, I was like looking back at it, and I was like, wow, there's like one paragraph of story text before each scenario. <laughs> It's, uh, uh, it's a little bit different from the like Forgotten Ninja yeah. Circle Undone like Interlude Five B Part One. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> they kept it very like simple. Like... So, like in previous ones that were done like this, where we talk about new campaigns, I like, go in depth about the story, and this one's like, well, there's two professors missing. Go look for them. That's the <laughs> that's the problem. We think one of them might be at a school. Yeah, so like, one's at a school, one's at a casino, and we'll let you decide which one to go uh, to try to find first. Uh, and that kind of makes uh, the first scenario is like a little bit easier than the second one because of based on the order you pick. So actually, the activity um, you're at the university and you kind of got like a, a spread out map a little bit, like six or seven locations to start, and you're just looking around trying to find uh, what is it rice? Yeah, Warren rice. Um, but the uh, the scenario itself, like it has, it introduces the the milling mechanic with beyond the veil and yeah, yeah. support that. So that's like kind of a persistent threat you see in four or five scenarios in Dunwich. I forgot to check, but uh, where like you get beyond the veil and you don't, if your deck gets milled out, you take ten damage. Which uh, back in Dunwich, there was very little ways to prevent yourself from dying to that ten damage. So it was like a death sentence, <laughs> and you had to try to figure out ways to work with the cards you had and and pass tests that would mill your cards or whatever. Um, yeah, you had, think... you basically had to have enough you an allies that had a, a big enough health pool to throw under the bus so that you could just barely survive beyond the veil. <laughs> like you could do like guardians could like stack up uh, beat cops or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what else was that? What else was there at the very beginning of Dunwich? Guard dogs. Uh, you guard, guard dogs. Yeah, you guard dogs. dogs. Bullet, bulletproof vests. You know. Although boo yeah. morality, don't throw your god dogs away. I guess you could get vests, but. Yeah, going in blind, you'd be in rough, rough shape. And, you know, people outside of Guardian, I don't know if they had enough silk where they could survive. So that that was, like, a very cool threat that they introduced, and you see it pop up a few times. Uh, I think this first scenario, we also start seeing some birds, although they're definitely more prominent in later scenarios. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they're just, like, kind of a general malaise, sprinkling, sprinkling some, some just horror all about the... Uh, campus there just making you have minus ones to all your stats yeah um also very pingable the... if you're uh, if you're agnes or if you have like a alice or b cop or something 
Yeah, I think yeah. that was a big reason to play Zoe, right? Because you you get to uh, engage them and immediately kill them if you have your cross out. Oh yeah, yeah. Zoe's great. <laughs> I, I don't know what I said earlier about her maybe not being the best. Zoe's great. Uh, <laughs> Pink stuff or, or gets money. It's fantastic. She was the uh, one who could do that. Yeah, other than big peacocks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which you know only Roland had access to. Oh no, I guess. I guess everyone could get it as a fifth slot from Dunwich or as one yeah. of their five off classes, but I don't know if anyone did. But uh, in general, in the scenario, I think uh, the, this this introduced like a not straightforward objective um, where like you went and found, I think, Jazz. You had to find Jazz to get to some of like the locked up places around the, around the campus. Um, and the uh, agenda or the act at that point was like, uh, find an objective on a card and complete it to to advance. Was this a, uh, was this kind of an early instance of something being a little unbalanced for solo? Because if you have like four players, you're gonna chew through the encounter deck fast enough to find jazz on your own, even if you don't spend clues doing it. But if you're solo, it kind of takes a lot longer. You really need to like actually spend clues to look. I feel like in this isn't the scenario. If there is this the scenario where it's like if you're solo, you get to search for ten cards instead of five or something. Yeah, is that how exactly. Works? Oh, okay. So yeah, like they, they, they balanced it a little bit. But yeah. Yeah. So they did, they helped a little bit with solo there um, to find jazz, and it kind of takes only like thirty cards or something, isn't it? Um, yeah. So like a couple actions. It's probably not too bad. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of cool. You had to like try to. You could either like go and go to the dormitories uh, to save the students, um, or you could try to find the experiment, or you could find. Uh, you go try to find the professor uh, if you did as the first scenario. And if you complete one of those objectives, then you advance. And then there are usually there's like some repercussions for not completing the other objectives that affect the story or maybe what encounter cards you find down the road or like add a adds a uh, chaos token to the bag um, not one of the good ones one of the bad ones yeah pretty much always the bad ones but uh, and then uh what else was there oh and then return to uh in this scenario we're going to go through kind of like how return to changed most of the return to's didn't really change the flow of most of the scenarios. There's mostly like bug fixes or like harder encounter cards. Yeah. Um, I think, that, and then like maybe a couple extra random locations. Like this one added the one observatory, uh, which in order to get the clues from there and the victory, you had to discard to the top of your deck. Uh, which oh. means if uh, you're the if you're the seeker and you get beyond the veil, <laughs> like, <laughs> might be might be rough. Uh, I mean, I might, definitely might remember little... in other scenarios where there was something sort of almost clearly like broken or like missing they kind of patched it with the return to box yeah. but i don't right. think there was right. a lot going on in this scenario they they patched it yeah and then but along with the bond the veil in in the boundary beyond they added the uh uh i forget the name of the counter set but it added like infinite doorway and baleful welcome uh this oh, infinite yeah. doorway. Okay. this infinite doorway is so brutal <laughs> it's yeah. very scary when you have beyond the like... veil it's kind of like upgraded arcane doorway. Is that the one where you have to take yeah. the will test when you move out? This thing just stays yeah. there. Like it doesn't it, it doesn't there. go anywhere. It just stays there, no matter who you are. Because arcane doorway, you always have a mystic cards. like walk through it and it goes away, and then it's gone. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
This one stays there forever. This one, I like this one a lot because if you don't have Beyond the Veil yet and your deck's like kind of low, it's like, oh, what if I take a couple turns and like just go through that location a few times? And, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe I'll successfully mill my deck before I get Beyond the Veil. <laughs> uh, or maybe I'll accidentally have zero cards and then draw, draw Beyond the Veil. Didn't I feel like that happened when we were playing earlier? It sure really cool. did. But that's a very memorable card, though. It pops up, it pops up other times, but it's like the the deck milling stuff is scariest in the first few scenarios because it might be before you get uh, like hell soaks or other ways to to mitigate. So yeah, uh, I think it's mostly that's it for it. And notes for extra good activity, I guess. Yeah, baleful welcome and uh, which is the return to version of Terra from Beyond. Both of those cards are the perils that like make one person choose a few things that affects <laughs> the entire group. Like uh, covered it up on the slide, but Terra from Beyond, it pick you pick an asset, you pick asset, event, or skill, and everybody has to discard that type of card from their hand. And that's always a uh, very brutal, uh, especially if you don't forget about it, don't see it coming, and never like hint at one might be in your hand. Just like, oh, well, I don't have any skills in my hand, or I don't have any assets in my hand. I guess it's I guess it's fine to pick assets, right? And then your guardian, who has no weapons down, is just glaring at you. Yeah. As they discard, discard all it's, their guns or whatever. It's certainly a card that makes everybody sweat at the table, because nobody can say anything about it. Unless somebody... Well, no, you can't even play Ward unless you're the one that take, gets it, right? So, like, if if you don't know what's in everybody's hand, if you don't talk about it prior, like, hey, you know... I, I'm feeling a little skillful lately, you know. Maybe maybe you shouldn't shouldn't discard some skill cards if you get that one. Like it's it's hard to play around. And and this this effect has been repeated in sets afterwards, right? Like in Carcosa, in Dream Eaters even, we've seen kind of forms of this uh, you know, carry on. So this is kind of like the first inception of it, which I thought it was cool. I Definitely. think the best parallel cards are the ones where you might not necessarily have all the information to make the decision because it like affects somebody's hands or what, or like what people are planning to do in their turn. Uh, cause there's right. some parallel cards where you can like look at the board and be like, Oh, uh, if I pick, uh, you know, what is it? What's the, the circle and done card that you put a doom or do two damage. Uh, fate of all fools. Yes. Fate of all fools. Oh, yeah. like, like, Oh, if I pick damage, it'll kill that guy. So I guess I don't pick damage. I have to pick doom or whatever. Um, like those are, those are, those are cool, but, these ones in Dunwich, where you have to decide, uh, you know, trash assets or the return to Dunwich. It's like, oh, what do we not need to do this turn? Do we need to play cards? Do we need to fight stuff? You know, right? Right. When you, it's it's a hard decision because it's not always the right choice. So. I do, yeah. I like those cards a lot. Definitely potential for massive disaster Probably. when you have like a new, the one new player in the group is the one that draws them or something. That's always gonna right, be. right, yeah. Yeah. So Belfort Welcome like kind of amplified that too, but yeah. So I feel like that's mostly the the uh, extracurricular activity. Uh, so we can move on to House Always Wins, Scenario 1B. Yeah. So um, House Always Wins. Uh, we're going, we go to the casino. We're trying to find Professor Morgan. Um, if you go there first, I think you actually can find him. Uh, if you go there second, you instead have to help rescue Peter Clover, who's the, the mob boss. Or at least he's the owner of the casino. But the theme of this one is kind of like, at least for the first half, you have to try to get clues using resources instead of uh, investigation actions. Resources or, I think, cards. I think there might be some options like discard certain cards. Uh, which is definitely like, a, at the time, it was like, oh, we can't just vacuum up all the clues with Daisy or X here. We have to... Yeah, <laughs> you have to do really specific things. Yeah, yeah. and... 
the other theme was like gambling. There's like gambling and there's like luck luck based stuff is kind of the theme of the encounter cards. We see like a encounter set the the cursed dice has the cursed dice symbol. I to write down what the actual set was called, but there's, it has, like, there's kind of watch. an early example of like one of these choices that the game asks you to make without knowing what the consequences are because you have the opportunity to cheat on any skill test. Oh right, right. But, right. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it, but you have to write down that you cheated, and you don't find out until later what the repercussions are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're not. It's kind of on the level of uh, reading a book in in Arkham, right? Everybody knows that that's the. Uh... I mean, the not that, good thing to do. I mean, that well, is usually like, a, at least immediately, you're going to find out soon afterwards, even if you don't know before you make the decision. This right. is more like, uh, and and the game also fakes you out on it, right? Because we're going to talk about a scenario pretty soon where there's a choice you can make like that and ends up like not having any kind of consequences yeah. at all, right? So. He, uh, they do have a couple of fake outs. This one definitely does. And I, maybe this one's supposed to be like a little bit meta because the cheating mechanic is like, uh, once during the scenario, or is it once per maybe it's once per round, like somebody can choose to succeed on a test instead of fail it or something. Yeah, right? You can choose to treat a token that you drew as any other token. Oh, okay. So you right, can you right. can just oh hey elder sign. What do you know? You know. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. But it's like sort of implied that like that could be bad. I think at least when I first played it, it was like oh it's cheating. You can remember that you cheated, and then I was like. It, you, you are cheating because you're actually cheating outside of the game by changing your chaos token, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of the implied a little bit there. And then you're like, no, not in my game. I'd never cheat. And then as you slowly die from horror or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So, so talking about like the the actual encounter cards, um, creating control brought up a pretty good point here. Raise the stakes is a really interesting encounter card from the uh, from the return to set. Um, it's a card that actually has three modes. You kind of have to choose one of them. Um, but if you hit one of them is remember that you've cheated, which is kind of something yeah. that you don't really, you you only cheat. Like if you, if you want to, like if you do it proactively, this is something that forces you to do it. If you can't do the two other things, right? I think cheating, like you really only want to do in regular, if like you are failing a test, that's like going to kill you or something. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so like return to it has raised the stakes and I had one other card that like directly impact the cheating and involves that a bit more in the scenario. Uh, right. The reason it's one of them, and I think you still never want to pick <laughs> that you've cheated <laughs> unless you have to. Uh, yep. like, to lose the resources, I think is usually what you end up picking. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're playing like a big money character, you might be very sad. Uh, yeah. Might be tempted to, to put it in front of you because the other the other effect is uh, I think it buffs any criminal enemies engaged with you. That's right. Yeah. Which is it, it kind of stays in your threat area, and it, it doesn't yeah. even buff them that much. It just make I mean, after Act One, it just gives them like plus one fight and evade, so it's usually kind of fine. Yeah, yeah. I think we were like we recently started playing Dunwich again uh, as a, as an all rogues group, and I think Colin who's Colin playing? I don't remember, but Colin drew like two or three of these at this <laughs> area. He's playing Sophia. He's playing Sophia. Yeah. 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 So he he was like, oh, like one is fine, but he had to do two or three, and it was. <laughs> Got buff some of those uh, thugs up to like six six or something. Yep. Was, oh yeah. But yeah, get, get some out of the encounter deck though. Yeah, yeah, Def- definitely, a, definitely an interesting card they added there. Um, what's the other things going on in Household Wins? I guess at the beginning you have to like be very careful with how you get clues because uh, the the Clover Club boss is following you around and mm-hmm. they'll like attack you and uh, does he engage an attack? Yeah, he engages in attacks. You discover a clue while he's there. Yeah. So, like in in multiplayer, I know, like we're always trying to like 
figure out how to lure him away from locations where we want to get clues. Uh, I imagine in, like, Solo, it's probably a bit harder to get away from him. Well, and um, usually you just, you really want to, like, get the clues on the first location that first turn, and then enemy phase yeah. on the first turn, he'll move there, and then you can all move to the next location and get clues there. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. By selling your allies. There yeah. You selling your guard dogs to the mob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, then I think, like, like once you get enough clues to advance, uh, things start getting crazy, like abominations pop out, uh, start destroying stuff and eating the mobsters, the mobsters turn on you and start shooting you, and it's like all sorts of chaos. Um, so, and you have to like retreat into the back room, and you try to find Francis Morgan, uh, if you did this the first scenario, but if you did the second scenario, it's like way harder. Uh, like I think that's a much higher difficulty bump up compared to if you do uh, extra, extracurricular activity as the second scenario. Because in this one, you have, like, three less turns, and you have to, like, backtrack to go and find Peter Clover, and then, like, drag him out through the back entrance, which is, like, a lot more right. action uh, when you have even less time compared to if you this first, where you try to get Morgan. And, I mean, the, the uh, timing is really tight, because just picking up Peter Clover, you have to do a fairly non-trivial parley, like, four times or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which likely, uh, like, only one person in your group can even do. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's like conglomeration of spears all over the place and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the encounter card that stuck out to me the most was, was Twist of Fate. Um, it's a, it's kind of one of those cards that you, you get it. And sometimes it's like, ah, oh, whatever. But sometimes you just get that like three times in a row. And then you just draw like a, a spooky symbol, like a skull or something like that three times. And you, you just get hit with like three or, or six horror, you know, and it's, and it's like yeah. not, not insignificant anymore. The fact that it's like a very binary effect where it just, it's not a test that you can can kind of like skate by. You just have to you, you either have to cancel it or you have to take horror or damage is tough for a lot of investigators. I think. You know what the curious thing about Donch is like this was before Ward Two existed. I was like going through the cards and I was like, wow, they didn't exist till the end of Carcosa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like the counter deck is very scary because this is before a lot of things. There were a lot of things that existed just to counter this type of stuff. Right. <laughs> so right, this is nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how always wins. Uh, you try to you try to escape out the back. Uh, I think this one has some more story repressions, and like if you cheated, you get token the bag. And depend uh, if you did this if you did this scenario first, then the abandons blame you. The gang blames you for uh, the club being destroyed, and then right. they show up right. later in some other scenarios. Mm-hmm. But if you do the second, then you save the you save the uh, the boss, and then and then then Naomi has your back. And that doesn't do too much in the base set, but I think in uh, Return to it has a little bit of extra bonus. We'll talk it does, about later. yeah. I think this is a. Uh, it's I, I like the flavor of this scenario a lot. I think it does a, a good job of like. I always think of um, in like Temple of Doom, the like opening scene in the nightclub in Shanghai or whatever. Like it does a good job <laughs> oh, yeah. of like you you you're hanging out at a club and it's just fun, and then all of a sudden it turns into like a violent weird disaster. So that part is cool. The thing that I uh, think is a little bit difficult about it, though, is a lot of times if you're playing Dunwich first with like a new group of people, this feels like not the best thing to start with because the first several rounds are like not a good representation of how the game usually works because you can't really investigate and you can't really fight. You kind of just have to move around and do like the gambling and drinking actions and stuff. So it's cool. Mm, it's just yeah. like kind of a, it gives people like kind of a distorted picture of what the game looks if they're just learning how the game works. Yeah, like, if you That's come true. at it from core, it's like a new twist. It's like, oh, this is a cool, different thing. But if it's your first scenario ever, yeah, it's a little little weird. Yeah. But... Still good. Yeah, so why don't we talk about a couple of the player cards that came 
uh, in the deluxe box. Just just briefly mention a couple of our favorites. Um, so I need to say banana something without it. <laughs> so we had um, slide. I guess um, from the core set. We didn't really have like we had a we had a good foundation of cards for each each class, I guess, but we didn't really have a solid direction on where each one was going. And this is kind of what set the set the stage for them, right? Like so we had um the strange solution unidentified. This is the first inkling of something that we're recording in the campaign log that is being put in by a player card, right? Like it's it's not uh this is the first of that cycle. Each uh Cycle afterwards introduces a new un, un card, so like untranslated, un- yeah, whatever. The, it's like this when this first happened. It was like, oh, this is crazy. It's some yeah. thing that does something later. How is that going to work? This was great. I think we 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 had a couple Dunwich runs going, like as the game was coming out. I think, and we like, <laughs> put this in our deck. Got a couple couple characters, even though we didn't know what it did. Did uh, uh did very Cir- cool. Did Circle and Dun have one of these? I think I think one cycle didn't have one of these. It might have been Circle and None. I think it was Circle and None because I know but, so Archaic Glyphs and Ancient Stone were in Carcosa and Forgotten Dream Age, Dyer. and then Dream Dyer and Dream Eaters. Yeah, so they did skip. They did skip it, but it's been pretty featured in a lot of a lot yeah. of the campaigns. So yeah, yeah, it's a mechanic. Especially if you're playing as the game comes out, you don't know what it does yet. You just decide like, oh, do I put it in my deck just to see if it'll be cool or. Uh, or if it'll be early or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I think that Runhammer here uh, has a good point. Um, if you're just getting into the game right now, and you kind of if if you spoil it for yourself, if you're looking ahead to the packs, like, well, why would I buy the Dunwich Legacy? Then you kind of know like what the Strange Solution does at the end. Whereas if you just are buying these cards as they come out, I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be good. It could be bad. Who knows? So. Eventually, we, we came to find that Strange Solution, you know, was was absolutely 150% worth it. But um, I think that, uh, you know, kind of talking about some of the, these other cards, too, uh, Shortcut goes a long way in a sleeker deck, too, um, depending on who you're playing. Some t- I mean, it's a core card for Ursula, I think. Um, it's a card that we've, we've seen in a lot of other uh, investigators. Even, like, Mark, who can play Tactics, loves this card. Action Compression is great. Um all of these other cards kind of set the stage for uh, different ways that that uh, the classes play. Like Double or Nothing is a huge card for for uh, rogues that they got uh, early on, which allowed them to do crazy things like investigate a zero shot location via a flashlight or something like that, and get double the clues off of it, uh, which is kind of cool. Right of Seeking allowed people to uh, punch in for for more clues uh, because from this point, I think from the course that they only had Shrewling, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, like. This this set introduced a lot of stuff that is like thinking back like oh this is core stuff like mystics didn't really have a good way to get clues if they didn't have high intellect and using like flashlights or whatever and they added right of seeking it's like oh great uh, they added like Peter Sylvester as an ally like survivors didn't really have a strong ally and also this is great for Agnes where would we get that great in the core and now she she got right of seeking and Peter and she was all of a sudden great what are you so, are you complaining are you saying Aquina isn't a great ally I don't <laughs> remember what uh, who or what else? no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're just like just touching on a couple cards that came out. Like Fire Axe is like a, a core card in a lot of decks, and it was a great addition to the Survivor Pool. Uh, I threw Blackjack Two on here from Return to Dunwich because it's like a good complement to to Machete if you're trying to do like single one-handed weapon builds. 
uh, and then I, I threw chronophobia on here because it's one of my favorite weaknesses. Because I <laughs> just because it, it ties right into like you're running out of time. It is uh, weird to think whole, that that was in the Dunwich box. I, I always think of that as being one of the core set weaknesses. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's all it blends together a bit. But yeah, these are just a couple of our, the cards from that set that we that we still use, uh, and you know they, they still yes. remain pretty relevant. I think it's kind of funny because we're going to be talking about the taboo a little bit later. I think, but um, double or nothing made itself on the taboo list, and uh, that's just a card that we were like, what? <laughs> it, it's it's almost too fun to like. Oh man, I don't want to spend three experience on that. I mean, it, it's really. But I still want to put it in my decks. It's really only good as part of like combos and like weird interactions yeah. and stuff. Oh, oh like, totally. Yeah. A lot of the rogue cards that were added in the to-do list were just added because it was. Uh, they had some crazy combo that like broke something, or it made like an infinite, uh, an infinite loop or something. Exactly. Like, for, combo general, players. for general, for general play, it's it was like oh, they didn't really need to to do stuff, to do stuff to these guys. Just don't do an infinite combo. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Like, I think I, double nothing. My favorite memory was that was like doing blob and like combining it with shotgun or something and doing like thirty damage or one attack or something. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So why don't we move on? Because uh, we still got six mythos packs to cover. Woo! So, uh, I think I was gonna like the next slide. We just I was gonna briefly mention like the story choices in Dunwich are much tamer. Uh, I think they're all like. If you make a decision that's kind of sketchy, you add a spooky token to the bag. Like if you let the yeah. students die in extra activities, you add a tablet. Uh, or if you let um, certain allies die, I think in later in later scenarios, you get a tablet. And mm-hmm. if you take the take the if you cheat, you get a squid or an elder thing. Yeah, um, I, I think that the for three campaigns after this until Dream Eaters there was a pretty clear pattern of like, you have kind of a couple broadly defined story choices that last through the whole campaign. And right. that's associated with like putting in tokens into the bag or taking out tokens out of the bag to represent like what path you're on. Like, I think that was true in at least a, a, some of the next campaigns. Yeah, definitely Carcosa and Forgotten Age. And... Yeah. But Dunwich didn't have that. It was basically just like when you do something that's like bad, like don't do this. Like when you steal something or like cheat, you add a scary token to the back, mostly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which, or let the students die. You have an all way to do it, but you so you can like avoid getting all the spooky tokens if you if you do the right story choices or do well in all the scenarios. Just kind of neat. Uh, so it's like kind of like a if you do bad in a scenario, it's like oh you get a spooky token, it makes other scenarios harder. But yeah. yeah. Uh, then we got the first Mythos pack, right? Which is yeah. the one that's like sold out everywhere all the time, and everyone's always on the Reddit. Like, <laughs> I, oh, I need it's copy. actually in stock now on the FFG's website. Wow, you heard it here first. There we go. Well, no, I. Uh, but unfortunately, I think I think Mythos packs like six or five and six are now. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but, yeah, but it's yeah. funny because when this first came out. Uh, so the the whole first like round of stuff for this game, like all throughout Dunwich, FFG like wasn't really printing enough copies because they did not anticipate the huge amount of demand that there was almost immediately right. for this game. They're, so they're right. so we used to like uh, like Ben and Colin and I when we were playing this game, we used to basically like call game stores all around New England and like whoever was closest because we were kind of spread out would like have to go get a copy of it and i remember sending colin to like rent a zip car and go to some random game store and pick up (laughs) like the only copy of this pack that we could find like anywhere just so we because we could play oh yeah those are great times i remember i remember living in like central or or, um uh 
Western Mass and driving down to like Southern Connecticut to the only game store that had like one copy of the Dunwich Legacy left and like oh, yeah. some of these mythos packs. Yeah. So those 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 were uh, trying times for sure. <laughs> but the Mystic Museum, what a scenario! Yeah. What a unique scenario, right? Yeah, it's very cool. And there's like just one enemy uh, in, in the entire scenario that like keeps coming back and keeps coming back stronger. Yeah, uh, the hunting horror, and there's a lot of encounter cards that like would buff it or, or heal it or make it respawn or whatever. Um, so like the whole scenario is like, because like, every time you kill it, when it comes back, it comes out stronger. So you had to decide if like, is it time to kill it or do we just try to evade it for now and run away? Yeah, um, and that was kind of the theme. The whole the whole deal with it that was basically what you did is you tried to evade it if you had something that could evade. Or you try to kill it and complete the stair really fast so that it didn't come back too many times and become right. like massive and uh, uh, do a bunch of be very hard to evade and fight. Uh, <laughs> so that was definitely a new mechanic because you're used to having like, oh, there's like 10 or so monsters in the encounter deck. You have to constantly right, deal with right. monsters. All this yeah. is like, oh, you can put it in the corner or you can run away or it's in the void for now, so we're safe this turn probably. Right. Um, and, yeah, but you no. Know, and in the return to, they made it a lot scarier and they made it a lot harder to kind of do that plan, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. They added some encounter cards that like automatically put tokens on it. They also fixed like a loophole, I think, with like the axe and the agendas. That's right. And they, and they like when they flip, like he would respawn, but because they were flipped, it didn't have the text that added a token to him. Yeah. Return to so that he would get tokens faster or it would get tokens faster. Right. Uh, whatever this weird snake thing is. Um, so, I mean, the, the uh, encounter cards that I remember from this, uh, I think Beyond the Veil makes makes a glorious return here. If, in case you didn't have enough of it from extracurricular activity, it, it's back. Um, there, there's one from the Return to set um, that it gets attached to the to the uh, I call it the, the flying space noodle. Um, you. Um, it, it like does two extra damage and or, or it gets another pip of horror and and damage and then when it hits you it heals two damage so it's even worse if you were like trying to put oh, it yeah, at one health uh, so you can ping it dark quickly the dark the dark bidding yeah 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 that one was so rough when I saw it but man that art is so wonderful <laughs> yeah yeah this is like a neat little scenario You're, like exploring a museum like you you like try to get the guard to help you if you want or you break in oh uh, yes and then you, start, you start like exploring the exhibits. And you have to protect that ally. If you if you break in, the guard gets mad at you, and you go and find like a, a curator or something, hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you get the guard. And if you let the guard or the curator die, you get a tablet, which is bad. And they're like Not a insanity guy. Yep. Yeah, so you're alive while you're trying to find clues and and dodge this monster that's like sneaking around in the darkness and popping out and being like, ah, I'm a snake. Before you know, before snakes are cool and for that age or whatever. But this. Uh... <laughs> This one I always I always like when there's a scenario. Sometimes you play a scenario and you and you say, yeah, this this is like an X Files episode, and I was yeah, uh, yes, I, I think yeah, this, exactly. this scenario I think is. is probably the first one that really could have been an X Files episode. So that obviously makes oh, me yeah. Really happy. Yeah, Kraken on a stick brings up a good point here. Wasn't there something with the 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 icon on the location cards in the Return to set yeah. were all oh, like yeah. misprinted or I, something? There was like a misprint in the re- re- Return to, so you could tell. When you randomly uh, picked uh, exhibit halls, I think you could tell which ones were from which set. Well, it wasn't even <laughs> sorry. It wasn't even a misprint. It was after they printed the first run of the original pack, they changed the way that they did um, like the reverse side of locations, yeah. like the unrevealed side. So they got rid of the little circle that they used to put there, 
but mm. then it meant that if you had like the first printing run of Miskatonic Museum, which I think most of us do because we're nerds and we started playing this game right away, and then if you got returned to two cards that are supposed to have the exact same back so you can't distinguish between them until you flip them, you, you'd be able to tell which one was from the original game and which one was from Return to. Didn't actually matter, but hypothetically, if some people had like an obsessive need to always have everything be like perfectly correct all the time, this is the kind of thing that would drive them completely nuts. Right, right Ben? Uh, ben. Yeah. yeah. Game yeah. ruined. <laughs> On my sleeves, I put little tiny stickers, but then I think I also, FFG had the... Uh, extremely good uh parts replacement thing at the time they sent out replacements yeah. that asked right. that was great r.i.p r.i.p ffg's uh, parts replacement policy that was really yeah. cool oh no yeah but, yeah i mean it, it is a card game you know it's a small team so some <laughs> these mistakes get through and they were good to, they were good. at the time ffg was great at collecting it so yeah. you know it was fine um yeah i don't know there wasn't much else going on in the scenario you like explore some exhibit halls and those they all have different effects on them this mm. one that i have here mostly covered up that i definitely can't pronounce the name of far uh, too scary <laughs> well there's there's one that's very scary that has extremely scary art on it of I, an extremely terrifying animal i and, uh, i would like to so. formally request a playmat of pr- pretty much every exhibit hall art I think. oh they're so good too yeah, like i i would buy why, a playmat of any of this why doesn't FFG pump out more playmats have they they've only they only did the initial I, run because right? they like, hate cool. money they hate money more than anything else it's in the, the world. FFG, please. There's so much really amazing art. Maybe they don't have like high enough quality. Like maybe the the oh, the print art isn't good enough for it's, a full print or something. But it, it's like a yeah. I I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but yeah, pump yeah. out all those L L five R mats. <laughs> Like, I think, <laughs> I think honestly, like my most my most memorable experience, kind of kind of uh, re- looking looking at the the Miskatonic Museum as a whole. The first time we played through this, um, I had a group of friends, and every time the snake would come back, um, we would we would play that the you know the Russian guy singing that that one song, the Trello la 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 song. Every single time we'd play that song because he just kept coming back. So like he would if there was something alluding to the fact that he might be coming back again we would keep playing that song and it would get louder and louder and louder and it was it was a running theme and and we had we had so much fun with like this this snake that just wouldn't die <laughs> yep you can't even bury him deep can't can't get rid of him he always comes back <laughs> yeah so so uh, that's the uh miskatonic museum i think yeah at the end you like try to get the necronomicon and you're given the decision to take it or burn it and uh I mean, obviously, there's one choice. You burn it, obviously. It's, pretty, it's evil. Pretty easy choice. But yeah. sometimes when you're playing with people, they choose to take it. And yeah, we took it the first time. Yeah, I think I think my group took it the first time. I feel yeah. like I protested, but I would let other, the other people want to keep it. Fools, fools. But you know, <laughs> you'll learn. Always burn it, guys. It's first of Arkham. Always burn. Matt, Matt Newman took that choice away from us in future scenarios. We weren't allowed to burn stuff. Yeah. <laughs> also, also the uh, the first appearance of Del Too Deep, obviously, uh, you know, making yeah. the game oh, a little bit more exciting since uh, 2017. Hell yeah. Yep. We, we yeah. had Adaptable too, which was a card that we were like, eh, at first. But man, that card has, has come a long way. <laughs> the card's like, stronger, cause, like, you, especially when you're replaying scenarios, because you can uh, tech for each scenario by swapping cards in and out. Yeah, it's also a doorknob, or well, it's, I've got a plan, but we call it doorknob because the art is clearly <laughs> which, doorknob. At the time, which it felt like 
this felt like a two of auto include in like every secret deck. Oh yeah. Honestly, I've like kind of stopped playing it just because I think in most of I mean, I think in like a four player game, you, you should just be able to say, I'm going to get clues faster than you've ever seen anybody get clues. Sure. And it's your job to kill stuff. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not sure if that was really possible when the game first came out because it felt like, oh, there's this huge boss. We need like even the secret to have like one card in their deck to help kill it. But I think these days you can specialize enough that I, I don't always play and I've got a plan. In fact, most of the time I don't. But it's still a great yeah. card. Yeah. And then also yeah. Pathfinder. Pathfinder is an auto included in most secret decks. Yeah. Uh, just because it's so much free, action compression. Free, free movement, action compression. It's really good. Yeah. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah. Some other cards. They also accidentally printed that oops card. But you know, <laughs> they, they, well, they printed on the title of the card what they said when they printed it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they, you know, sometimes there's some joke cards. It's fine. So, I think it's yeah. antithetical to I've got a plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> So the next scenario is um, the SS County Express, uh, which uh, is, I think, maligned in the community for certain re- times when you can just instantly lose on the first it? turn. I, I thought everyone, I thought this was like a fan favorite. I, I love it. Um, oh, but I I had the, no, actually, no, I have had the first turn death, but it was after a couple of years of playing. Um but yeah, in general, this one's like a, a cool scenario where you're in, like you're in the end of a train car and the train's getting sucked up into a portal, so you have to try to grow through the train car as fast as you can. And that's that's what the instructions on the act are. It's like run, get to the end of the train, or get to the engine car. So you're trying to make your way through the train. Uh, like every time, you can only leave the current location to clear off all the clues. And then every time you enter a location, is actually like usually some type of penalty. Like you gotta discard a card or take damage or something. Um, and most of the encounter deck is there to screw with you. <laughs> Uh, to either like stop you from moving or like making Doom appear faster, like Ancient Evils in this or Resurgent Evils in uh, Return to. Oh, uh, and then there's that Clause the Steam card where if you fail, we'll test you can't move for the turn. That's very. Oh bad. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so this the, is like a really. Yeah, I mean the the worst, intense... the worst part. I think the thing that usually kills you if you if you lose this one is like a cultist. You get one cultist, which means it has to go in an empty location, goes to the car ahead of you that you're like almost in. And then someone else draws a cultist and it has to go in another empty location. So it has to go with the next car. Yeah. And, and now it's like, okay, well we're just not going to get to that far away cultist. We just like lost a turn. Oh yeah. 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 And, and the but, agendas are each of the thresholds are so tiny, right? They're like three, four, maybe five. Yeah. Five numbers. It's, it's so, very intense. Uh, and they one of the yep. one of the kind of like subtlest instances of like this game having a sense of humor is like the so the first agenda is you get like three you get three turns to and then you lose one car then oh no then you only get two turns and you lose another car and then you see the next agenda it's like oh four turns oh this is great we can t- we can relax a little bit but no then you get to the end of that one you lose two cars and i think i would bet a huge chunk of people that are playing this blind like die suddenly on that third agenda which is which is amazing it's great <laughs> all definitely got sucked into the portal because <laughs> he was I mean, one card so. we even mentioned like this is the first like I, I guess one of the first most spicy like uh oh moments when when you're uh flipping over the agendas and you're like okay it's one train car every agenda all right guys we just have to be one train car ahead of <laughs> ahead of the, the 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 ball here and then you flip that one and it's like oh on uh, on the well, other hand, hey, you know, you get an XP for getting sucked into the portal. So, it's true. Uh, who's who's to say if it's yeah, bad? No. You know? I really enjoy this scenario, uh, even though, even with its faults. Although we turn to fix it a little bit, I think I think it gives you like a slight bit of a buffer. This one's great. It's, 
it's uh, H Eagles and screwed all in the first turn or something. But it's it's definitely yeah. hilariously bad for certain investigators if they have a weakness that adds a doom, like Marie or uh Tony, maybe. But that's <laughs> or Agnes. It's just funny. Dan's oh, very good friend, no, David uh, Agnes can at least like maybe tank the horror for a while if she has Peter out, but yeah. Yeah. If Zoe draws um uh, draws her weakness and it spawns a what is it, the Wizard of the Order, the one that gets to do every turn in the engine car. Oh, because it has to spawn at the far farthest location. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, Control brings up a good point too. This is this is the main reason to not run Karen Zobal in in Dunwich. This is like the reason because it's it's almost a coin flip in in whether or not you're going to get like ancient evils into cultists into cultists, and you're like, oh. I mean, I think it <laughs> okay. depends a lot on what difficulty you're playing on and if people have played it before and if people have good decks like if you're playing like standard with like like i think if we went in and did it standard with like characters that were fairly well suited to this campaign i don't think we'd really have a super high chance of dying but yeah it's still more than you want if you've got the oval on your deck maybe yeah and the i think one of the first times we played this we played it with our friend alex who was playing skids and man he stole that luggage and and from 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 then on until forevermore Always steal the luggage. That's what we have to say. Train trains getting sucked into the portal anyway. I know. You know. I did that. You know, if you steal the luggage and get sucked into the portal, you deserved it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, oh, Matt loves oops. Oh no, uh, <laughs> he sure does. Uh, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, train's pretty cool. I think return to they added like an extra enemy that made it spookier, like respawns every time the agenda advances or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's brutal. The conductor. Yeah, the theme of the monsters here is like, oh, they're like mutated engine parts or whatever. It's also really cool. Uh, yeah, like the sea monster, or like yeah, the, the engine really is broken cool. apart. But uh, yeah, so cards. There was a couple of like stand together used to be an auto include in like every like one of the first upgrades in all guardian decks that we played. Maybe yeah. it's not anymore. It's, it's still pretty good. It's still, I think, at least 34 player, it's a really good card. I think it's still it's excellent in multiplayer. It's just sometimes it's kind of hard to find the uh, space for it, but it is excellent if you yeah. can fit it in. I'd agree with that. Level 2 deduction, all-star seeker, punch through a bunch of clues card. Really good. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Hey. Fun. I mean, You're yeah, a rogue. It's great tech for a rogue, especially in scenarios where you like maybe have to get across the map fast. And uh, uh, charisma and relic hunter pretty much like the staple permanents. That I mean, relic hunter a little bit less so, but I feel like three quarters of all decks eventually get a charisma or something. Yeah, like, yeah, allies yeah. are so good. Yeah. These are the first permanent cards, right? And they are. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Adaptable technically is the first one, but these are like the bread and butter permanent cards. Yeah. They're- Relicanter's grown over time, but Charisma was good off the bat, especially because you get the yeah. professors as story assets and know it. Yeah, like, hey. exactly. I, I think to the point <laughs> yeah. where you, you, hear, you hear people sometimes say that Charisma should be tabooed or something, which mm-hmm. I don't eh, I don't really think I agree with that. Like, oh. it, It's kind of just fun because it lets you play extra allies. Like, It's not like it's you know too good or something. I could uh, see it being good Charisma, but... Well, I mean, playing extra allies also comes with a cost. You know, it costs money to get those allies out. They take up deck slots and stuff. Right. Like, exactly, exactly. Right. And you're, I mean, you're, for Charisma, you're paying 3 XP for something that doesn't directly add more stuff to your deck. It only lets you spend more XP to add more stuff to your deck. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, then so get off the train. Get, you either get, you get off the train uh, and you get to, we actually get to Dunwich. <laughs> it takes us half, half the campaign, but we're in Dunwich. Hey, 
nobody likes us because no small towns in in uh, in Massachusetts like visitors. So uh, you're there and, and you're trying to explore the town. So this one had a mechanic where like you need to find the key in the hidden chamber to like stop uh, stop your friends from being sacrificed. Um, but they're hidden underneath random locations along with some encounter cards as like traps. So you need to try to find those cards as fast as you can. Um, you can get lucky and like find them at the first two locations, in which case yeah. you can like do the scenario in like five turns. That definitely yep. happened to me on my last on which run. It's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the variance is just like so great where you're like, oh great, it's the key. Oh great, it's the the thing, and then you could just go and and the skull is based off of the amount of. I think the uh, locations that don't have encounter cards under them. So right. even then, yeah. you're just like winning. <laughs> yeah. The skull only is like a minus two at that point. The whole reason you want to do it fast, though, is because of this kidnapped card. Um, yes, it's, I think it's the, it's the art on the box too. But it's you make a test, and if you fail it, one of your allies gets taken and put in the sacrifice pool. Oh, no. And then every time the advances, one of the people in the sacrifice pool gets murdered, along with I think one extra if there's a kidnapped card attached, right? Yeah. Yes. So. Your precious, precious allies like Milan or uh, Peter or Duke, uh, if you actually have Pete, can get I know. and murdered. And then at the end of the scenario, anyone that's murdered is out of the campaign, so you don't get to have it in your deck anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that that that's why this scenario is scary. <laughs> that kidnapped yep. card, killing yeah. that could be like a crux of your deck. Uh, it's very scary. Like it's that. pretty terrifying. Yeah. You know, in like D and D and role play games, you're like not afraid of dying as much. Uh, it's like if your gear gets destroyed by a rust monster or whatever, this is the same type of a thing. Like, oh, <laughs> but you know how much that cost. Yeah. yeah. No, this is like I mean, like if you're a a secret, like if you're Daisy or, or Rex or something, and you get your uh, Milan gone. Have, have fun without Milan, I guess. You know, like, I mean, it, it, oh. it was definitely true early in the game when there were few alternatives that would like boost your intellect and you didn't have as much choice. Right. These days, it's like maybe not as crippling, but it still sucks in a lot of cases. Yeah, now there's definitely more options that you can fill in, but sometimes you might build it oh, around like Madame Melanche or something and losing that could be really bad. But And again, Duke, if you're playing Ashcab Pete... <laughs> They even like put a cheeky achievement in the return to box, which is like finish the campaign after Duke was sacrificed or something. Oh no, <laughs> Matt knew it too. Matt knew he put he put charisma in the set before this, and then was like, "Hey guys, put all the allies in your decks." Uh, yeah. yeah, play super but, uh, Yeah, I like this scenario just because it feels like intense the whole time. Because you are try, you do really want to try to not let any allies get sacrificed. You can because you get more victory and the better better. Uh, reward and then this this scenario if you did uh house always wins first it had also has a bunch of uh gangsters in it there to go after you it's like one yeah. of the story decision um, yeah i actually just watched one of my friends play through um with with the drafted deck with with an ursula and wendy and he uh got hit with the higher gun pretty early on and it was so brutal. It, he just took over the entire board because every single gangster that they dodged, because Ursula and, and Wendy can't really can't really fend for themselves and fight them directly, so they were like just depending on dodging them. This this hired gun just made everything so unbelievably brutal for them. They just yeah. every single thing hunted, and there was just like a flock of like uh, whippoorwills and like a whole ton of gangsters on one location. Wendy had to like run away to save Ursula so that she can get the last clues. It was hilarious to watch. 
someone in yeah, the chat uh, pointing out that Ben was just kidnapped and uh, thankfully not sacrificed. But uh, yeah, yeah, he came back. He yeah. came back. Yeah. I yeah, I can't even fathom yeah. having a agency backup uh, <laughs> murdered by a bunch of country bumpkins. Uh, yeah, this is a cool scenario. I like like the race against high aspect. The randomness makes it a little bit really playable and uh, it's fun. You fight. There's like a boss at the end. You fight. I don't, I don't remember if they changed him and returned you to make him scarier, but he's you kind of like duck in and out to try to grab clues or to, to try or to duck in and to fight him because he doesn't make AOs. Yeah, he doesn't right, make AOs. Right. It's kind so. of a neat little interaction. Yeah. So, uh, so cards from Blood on the Altar. Um, oh, I I put every card on the slide because every. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were joking. With, uh, you were joking. But this is the one where like pretty much every card sees play. Even like even something like Defiance that I think is like normally not good. There's right. the Silas. I, you know, is, I put it in there because Silas likes it. He likes exactly. upgrading more yeah, than better. Yeah. But uh, and even it's also like I mean, if you just if you were to make like a histogram of like which packs had the most cards tabooed. I mean, uh, so these, <laughs> so what? Three of these permanents got heavily tabooed, I think. Yeah, yeah. Our education is now eight, as is Streetwise, and then Scrapper is up to five now. I think. Yeah, yeah. The yep. Scrapper one always felt gratuitous to me. Like, I don't think that one is. It's good, but it's not like I don't think it needed to be nerfed. But the other two, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Especially the Sours aren't rolling in money. Although right. I guess, uh, I know Preston can't even take it. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, all these permanents are really good. Higher education. Uh, multiplayer with seekers, we were was like really game breaking. Streetwise yeah. really strong in big money decks. Um, it grew stronger as more of the card pool expanded and big money was easier to pull off. Yep. Um, yeah, and then like even some of the niche cards like Rise of the Occasion has started to shine with newer survivors like Calvin and, and Stella and Preston, uh, yeah. all those guys. Exactly. Oh yeah. Lone Wolf usually pretty bad in a group, but basically the best solo economy card if you if you can play it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Her for the worst was helpful for guardians to find their weapons or whoever to find their weapons. Yeah, yeah just all, all this great, great, great player cards in this pack. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure we could talk about them for hours, but but <laughs> uh, uh, what is next slide? Did I put the tech debt thing in the next slide? I guess I did. So just uh, I was gonna briefly mention like a lot of there's a lot of cards that came out after Dudwich that like when you're replaying it now you can. Uh, Pull them in to like kind of strategically handle some of the challenges of Dunwich. That is true. It's a, it's a polite it's way of true. saying like trivialize certain things that used to be really scary. Yep, that's what I was trying to say. I forgot to put Ward Two on here, but that would just cover up most of the other cards. But yeah, other than Ward Two, like stuff that like lets you ping to kill whippoorwills or cultists uh, or rats or whatever, uh, we call pinging like doing a, a actionless testless damage. Uh, like B Cop existed already, but they added like small favor and the Alex Occult Lexicon of Bloodright and there's one or two other ones. Small but... favor in particular was like a lifesaver yeah. in Essex County Express because you could oh, snipe yeah. you could snipe a cultist like two train cars away. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. Uh and then like Beyond the Veil, um there's a lot of cards that can counter Beyond the Veil. I didn't put them all on here, but like non existence uh, is a big one. Uh yeah. where you can just like, Oh, I took ten damage. Nope. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or like it's really funny that that doesn't have any kind of cap on it like i I remember i think perseverance which is like a kind of a more limited card that's probably less good overall specifically says it can only prevent up to like four damage or horror or something yeah Um, it's funny because you can compare it to the the uh, red card um one experience exile itself prevent up to 10 damage and or horror um i can't remember the name of it but 
one experience or you just take it into existence and like deny like 50 you know like <laughs> 107 yeah. horror you know <laughs> doesn't matter no cap um yeah there you go ron, ron hammer said devil's luck yep yep thank you ron hammer just goes to <laughs> just goes to show that yeah mystics are kind of the best at sort of like uh doing weird magical stuff to prevent things from happening right exactly yeah yeah what else? Yeah, a shortcut too is helpful on scenarios you have to backtrack, like uh, Mystonic Museum. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Came out in this cycle, but like it became a very important tech card for uh, House of Ways Ridden, so you can get that extra extra victory. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of dropping your clues on the uh, back back door or whatever it is. Exactly. And then uh, we'll talk about the next scenario, but like Waylay and to less extent Mind Wipe. Waylay makes the next uh, indenture unseen. Uh, a little bit more trivial because you could use it to just kill the um, the broods of Yogg-Soth off without oh, doing yeah. that. It's true. It's true. Because yeah. they're not elites unless they get um, the return two card on them. But that's right. Yeah, so it's just cool. It's definitely cool to go back and play campaigns with new newer cards that uh, when you you're dealing with a mechanic that was really scary, it's it, it's no longer is. It's like when you play a video game when you have to like backtrack through an area that was like really difficult when you were like low level. And now you're coming back with like whatever new abilities or gear that you have, and you just steamroll through it. It's yeah. kind of what it feels like sometimes when we play yeah. with some of these cards. It's like, oh yeah, that was serious, but you know, I got I got this new. I'm experienced now. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, so and there there is an actual interlude in the campaign, but it's just like all the people that you save like do a little speech and uh, join up with your party, yep. um, and you, you get like the story. That's a terror formula. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Undimension Unseen. This is, um, I'm going to say, this is not my favorite scenario. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, this has, I think this, especially early, this had the reputation as being, like, the bad one that nobody liked. Yes. I don't, think, I don't think it's great, but I honestly don't think it's all that bad. I Because I did it recently. I mean, a lot of it is, like, if everyone in your group sucks at willpower, then you're going to have a bad time. But... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's got some kind of interesting aspects to it. Like I, I, like, I think I like how you can some of the locations have like a thing that lets you move the guys around in a certain way, but you have to like do it. If you use that strategically, you can like do some cool stuff. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, um, strategy to manipulating where the broods go around the map, um, which is cool. I think like the reason I don't like it is like if you do very well in uh, Blood on the Altar you get like four or five broods that you have to spawn. Um, and like, I think you reach a point like half of the scenario. It's like, Oh, we kind of have this under control. At least that happens sometimes. And then like, the rest of it the like, like, to come out. it's kind of slow. It's like, Oh, we need to, we need to spawn another brood. Otherwise we're not going to have anything to do next turn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I think that's the awkwardness, but if you're like not ahead of the curve there, if you're like under pressure, then like trying to figure out the strategy, like, Oh, we got to move this brood over here and get a clue on it and then attack it while it's exhausted or whatever. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, creating control and Kraken bring up a good point here, though. Uh, you get a, a player card called Powder of the Ibengasi. If you save, I think it's Armitage, Rice, or um, who's the one that we find in the... Um, Morgan? Yeah, Morgan. Yeah. I think each of them give you like the recipe for it or something like that, and then the lead investigator can choose to put it into play in the beginning or something like that. Um, yeah. And it has one like, charge yeah. on it for each person that you saved or something. Each person that's yeah. yeah, something yeah. like that. Let's you put clues on stuff that are exhausted. Yeah, the, the blood on the altar. Like the better you do in blood on the altar, the harder undimension is unseen days. But you get a couple extra clues on that card if you save the right person. 
But if you do bad on Blood on the Altar and, like, everybody dies, then, like, this scenario has, like, one or two broods in it. But yeah, like a, that also means you don't get as much XP for this scenario, right? Like, you, because you, yeah. the XP you get from this is just basically the number of broods that you finish off. Yeah. yeah. And Kraken alluded to it earlier. Dunwich does not give you very much XP. <laughs> nope. I mean, for the modern campaigns. Yeah. For sure. But of course, Delve Too Deep wasn't tabooed uh, in Dunwich. So That's right. Yeah, we used to, to, you can do more than two of them. We definitely used to crunch like four or five of those things in the scenario. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Delve, delve, resign. Delve, delve, resign. Delve, delve, resign. Which yep. I, oh, yeah. I think yeah. you should still be able to do. Which is, I, I think you should still be allowed to do just because it is such a risk and it can screw you so badly. But yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's reasonable. Yeah. So unmentioned scenes, kind of, kind of a mixed bag. Um, we're trying to spice it up a little bit by making the broods a little scarier. Like there's <laughs> instead of them all being the same exact uh, thing, like some of them have like more health or which is definitely uh, cool. I do like that. Or like. Higher fight or higher agility or whatever. So that they actually they acknowledged the uh, the waylay thing too. I think one of the cards actually just straight up says, "This is now elite. Stop waylaying yeah. things that you're not supposed to waylay." Yeah, imperceptible creature. I think makes them elite. It also yes. means you can't mind wipe them to like send them to the discard or whatever. But yep. um, but yeah, this was one that definitely I think uh, returned you helped make it a little bit more interesting, at least for me. Yeah, there were some weird tech things. Waylay was one of them. Bauta from the, or like all the masks from the um, uh, Venice. Oh, horrible. Yeah, I forgot about okay. that. Um, and then also Ron brings up a good point. Empower self uh, with using, tr- transferring the um, the test, the will test into a different test <laughs> and committing vicious flow to kill one of these things. He's on to something. Uh, yeah, it could be fun. Uh, yeah, because. <laughs> Yeah, because the, the, the way to fight them is like you need to you get a spell, the esoteric formula, after you spend clues at one location, uh, and it lets you, lets you attack them. And it's the only way to actually hurt them, but you have to use willpower. Of course, yeah. the really pro way to do it is to go do the core set first and get Lita Chantler, and then don't sacrifice <laughs> her and devour her below, and win the campaign and beat Umorthoth, and then keep her as an ally all the way through this to Undimension and Unseen and then whenever you attack you do an extra damage because they're monsters. I think hey, the funny for that plan would definitely be like you do that and then she gets kidnapped to the altar. <laughs> it's like the one that would, that would be extremely funny. That would be hilarious. So. Oh man. There uh, are some player cards from uh, Undimension and Unseen. Yeah, there's only a couple that really? I think still stand out. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's Upgraded Rate of Seeking like... really, really, really good. Yeah. That's probably the only one Dan yeah. likes. Yeah, let's talk about that one, though. Dan Dan uh, kind of first drilled it into my head. This is, like, probably one of, like, if not the best clue uh, cards in the game for a three-person scenario. Very specific oh, yeah. to three-person scenario. I think that was actually Ben who originated that discovery, but yeah, no, I, oh, okay. I, I definitely... Yeah, I think we're... we're, we're right Seeking is amazing. Uh, yeah, Riot Seeking is amazing. Because Always. it... Uh, Scoops up three. Like a lot of locations have like often are in, uh, you know, num- based on the number of players. So right of seeking always gets the correct amount. Exactly. Uh, and uh, what else is there? Yeah, dark horse is cool in some decks, and the quick thinking is great on uh, on decks that you want to exceed by more on. Uh, also great for infinite combos. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And oh, you might have forgot to put it on you. Wasn't, isn't the card that uh, gives you extra actions if you succeed? Wasn't that in this pack too? 
I'm not going to put it on here, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, and then there was the Springfield field, which has the honor of being the only card to be tabooed to cost less, less experience. Oh, you'll get there one day, Springfield, little buddy. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to where do awaits. Uh, so this this is the scenario where you have to climb up a hill. That's the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you do a little obtuse way because uh, there's like a spooky mist or arcane energy. I don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, making your way up, so you have to like uh, ex- discover locations that are like extra dimensional or otherworldly and get some clues. And then once you have clues, you keep going up. Um, this scenario like has a really big doom threshold. Which, if you keep it under control, it's fine. But if you start letting it spiral because you let um, like a couple of devotees of the key spawn and then escape up the hill because they're better running up the hill than you, <laughs> um, <laughs> it can become kind of intense. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's a neat little scenario. Uh, it had some bugs in that, like I don't know if it was a bug, but maybe like a design flaw where if you're playing a character with low intellect or bleh, low intellect, you uh, it was very hard to spawn the locations because you right. couldn't. Yeah. Even, like, if you That's were relying on, if you were just totally relying on stuff like Sixth Sense or like uh, non-investigate right. yeah. clue discovery like, stuff, you were in a lot yeah. of trouble. Yep, so um, that was pretty bad in like lower player accounts uh, or solo. I think they they fixed it a bit in uh, Return to where now it's like instead of discovering clues, you spawn locations. Yeah, Although I think there should be some other weird new bug where like if you you drop a clue in that location, you can't pick it back up. And, <laughs> and then you might not be able to get enough clues to actually climb up the hill or something like that. I don't, I don't Good know. old Dunwich. <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. They'll fix it uh, and return to return to Dunwich. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, this one, return to introduce the story reward of Naomi, um, who's a yeah. Player, uh, as like a story reward. Uh, she's kind of cool. I kind of wish she was introduced earlier in the return to campaign. So you actually get like more than one or two scenarios to actually use her. Yeah. Cause she's like kind of expensive to put into play. Um, but she was so really, really good. Point. Yeah. 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 Creating control makes a good point here. Well prepared with her. seems like, seems like a good idea. If you have a uh, two books or, or two intellect and two combat symbols on her would, would get some oh, pretty yeah. good value. Oh man. Should tell Colin. Colin loves well prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, yeah. I really I love violent commands. I think that's a really one of my favorite encounter cards. The art is amazing. I love the name, uh, and it's also kind of gives you some fun decisions when you're uh, yeah. when dealing with it. That was like a replacement for one of the generic sets I returned to that uh, I threw on here because I thought it'd be fun to mention. Um, yep. The old hands are, are very neat, neat encounter cards. Yeah. Uh, Does that not always... look like Matthew McConaughey? It's a little going crazy. crazy. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah. Can you take by a spider or something? I don't know. But yeah, encounter cards that have weird decisions. The fun with think violent commands though, uh like somebody else at your location can activate that because you're a threat area and stab someone. Which is very <laughs> funny. Because yeah. it's like, hey, go you like whispering to them, go stab that guy. And you're, and you're like, Oh yeah, I'll do that for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so but uh, yeah, this is, a, this is like a fine scenario. Uh, I, I feel like usually we are able to keep the default to the key under control in multiplayer. It's probably a bit harder in in solo, um, just to like because you might have that choice to like oh I have to do I have time to go kill that guy and backtrack or, or whatnot. Right. Uh, but it's uh, a pretty okay scenario. It, it's like a boss. The, the Seth Bishop spawns at the end, and depending on a choice you made early on, it's like he's hurt or he's a little bit stronger. Yeah. Uh, but he he never really felt like a boss to me. It's just because he's just like a he's just like a high health enemy. 
doesn't have anything. And Return yeah. to, I think, it was actually like a huge, like horrible, malformed thing, right? Uh, in Return to, there's a scary version of him, I think that pops up in the last scenario if you like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Hit him or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this was like the first scenario that I think if you lose, uh, then the campaign ends. Yes. Which uh, right. was like a new thing we hadn't seen that before. Right. So, but yeah, other than that, I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's an alright scenario. Uh, it's, it's not not my favorite, but it's you know it's fine. I think it could have yeah. been cooler, but it has some good stuff about it. Wasn't yeah. wasn't completely stand out. I think in in terms of like already having Essex County Express and and uh, blood on the, blood on the altar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of player cards, hey. We find one of the strongest secret cards that have ever has ever existed. Well, we know it's one of our favorites. Yep. The Strange Solution finally got upgraded. Strange Solution Restorative Concoction. Definitely one of no. the <laughs> most powerful uh, secret cards. No, we're talking about Aspen Acre, which you have Dean Meltzeroni. Uh, yes, Aspen it, Acre. It's so good at doing damage as a secret, which you basically couldn't do before. That's really uh, strong. I think the most amazing thing about it is that it has eluded the taboo list twice in a row. I <laughs> think the most amazing thing about it is that you can reload it with cash three, which that's, that's really true. seems like can't possibly be intended because it's... Yeah. It <laughs> didn't exist when this initially came out, but it's yeah definitely pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Probably should have included it on that text, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what else? The Ace in the Hole is in here, which is a cool way for Rogue's Extractions. That's also yeah. been tabooed because of infinite yeah. combos. Infinite combos, yeah. Fearless 2 is like great for mystics that are constantly taking horror from their spells to heal, yeah. <laughs> to heal themselves. Um, yeah, those were the couple of standouts for us. Yeah. So final scenario was uh, Lost in Time and Space. Yeah. Uh, Lost in Skids and Skids. And like a cra- this is like a, we stepped through a portal at the end of climbing that hill and all of a sudden we're, you know, we're, we're, we're fertile through space on weird alien worlds. Yep. Um, this was a cool scenario, uh, mechanic wise. Cause it was one of the first scenarios that had like a really weird mechanic, which we start seeing a lot more of in, in future campaigns, but it's like they're in or the locations are all in the encounter deck for the most part. Yes. Um, you had to like find them. And every time you left those locations, like, they were you they would get shuffled back in or discarded so it was like you take a damage right? between dimensions and it's like a tenuous or a very um delicate balance of like trying to keep those that pathway in place so everyone can get across i think you're trying to get to i forget the name you're trying to get to get to the, get the edge of the universe i think it's called yes um and spend clues and then the and then once you do that, I think Yogg-Soth spawns, and you have to like try to run away from it and, and dodge it as you try to furiously open up, get through the portal and close it to escape back to Dunwich. Um, uh, I thought it was like a, a. I think it's been eclipsed by uh, later final uh, final scenarios, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed it when, when we were playing through Dunwich. It was a good climax, I think. There were a lot of enemies, and I mean a lot of enemies <laughs> that that were in that encounter deck that could just spawn and create this huge mob of like just really big uh, monsters that you had to face. Most of them having like four plus health, I think. Right. Yeah. It was, a, it was the first, it kind of initiated the trend of like the last scenario, you're just going to be swamped by like four health monsters, which I'm fine with. And also the thing I also kind of like about it is it requires everyone to have like a couple of clues 
to uh to first to like well I think whoever enters like one of the locations need to have clues and then also in order to resign at the end everybody needs like uh, two clues or something which I kind of like yeah. because it uh can be very hard for like your main guardian people maybe to get clues in some cases and uh it, it I like when in the last scenario some people die and don't make it to the end because it's like it's the last <laughs> scenario it's not like anyone has to stop playing or reroll their deck it's like it's, it's more yeah. fun if a couple people die so you know so that you have to dramatically sacrifice people to to get the win. The exactly. End, yeah, always, that's that's cool when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Return Team made this a little bit scarier because it has Yogg-Soth in play from the beginning. Ooh, and yes. like when a location despawns or you get teleported, when you would get teleported to another dimension, you instead get teleported to uh, Realms Beyond, which is where Yogg-Soth is hanging out. And you have to get <laughs> you have to get out of there as fast as possible yes. before you can murder you. <laughs> Because uh, the way that I think the way one of the main ways he kills you here is like if your deck runs out of cards, you take a yeah. certain amount of sanity instead of uh, discarding cards or something. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Although it's what's weird is that, um, or maybe not weird, but he, it's not like if your deck runs out, he kills you. It's if you run out of cards from his attack, then you're driven. Yeah. Insane. So it's as long as bit... you have like one card left, and then you can cycle your deck, then you're going to be okay, probably. Well, if you have one card left, then you take four damage. Like, it's you discard cards, and you have none left. You have to uh, trash stuff, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, no you're just driven insane. Oh, That's yeah, right. no, if you run out of cards, you, if you run out of cards, you're driven insane, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess as an ancient one, I don't, it was kind of, I didn't feel like he was going to kill me. It was more like us running out of time. I don't know. It's it, it cool. I like him. Definitely way bigger than, it's of a scope, anyways, than, um, Mordoth, right? Like this is like just this yeah. massive thing at the end of the universe, trying to slap you and 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 kill you. Um, but it's kind of like a theme wise, it's like a dramatic change from the rest of Tunwich, which is yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. Kind of low, low key dealing with cultists most of the time, and then like it slowly ramps up, like oh, it's a big, bigger and bigger spooky, spooky tentacle monsters or abominations, and then oh, yeah. we're in space, and there's a really big. Monster. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, in in the chat, Creating Control points out that uh, Realms Beyond, which has I think the highest shroud that we've ever really seen in the game so far at nine. Oh no! You can do yeah. you can do a combo with Crack the Case to gain like nine uh, nine money. I think you don't even need Roland because I think you can actually use um, Quick Study. Like there, there's other yeah. there's like non Roland specific cards that can drop a clue or forewarned for that matter. Mister Domain just being like a pretty accessible one if you have Roland. Yeah. That's hilarious. You can gain 18 money like in two actions or not even, right? Because it's all fast. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you should play this in a character that can play Crack the Case and Double Double so that you can, uh, you know, get... Uh... Well, he, yeah, he wants it so you can drop a clue. There's no clues on there naturally. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. It's, this also, like, messes up... Um, what's the card that you let you get a clue from every location, but you have to base even harder to pull off. Like before it was like a six was the hardest in the scenario. So you could like screw a bunch of clues relatively reasonably. Now it's like a died. Yeah. Uh, that, that was definitely brutal. That came out in this pack. I don't think I put it on the list because it's <laughs> really expensive, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A cool finale. Um, yeah, there's a couple cards that are memorable. Vicious Blow, level 2, is really good. Really good. Yeah. For probably, buy, but often a late game buy. Probably underrated card. Really, really good card. Speaking, speaking yeah. of underrated cards, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Monster Slayer. Yeah, really yeah. solid. Dan loves Monster Slayer. I think a lot of people do not like it. Do you, yep. you want to briefly, in seven words, explain not so good, Dan? Does it have to be seven words, or can I do, like, 
30, 40, 50-ish. That's seven yeah, words. I'm fine. It's not for the challenge. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, if you're, I think if you're playing a guardian or a monster monster person, your your goal is action compression. Your goal is to be able to keep the board clean from enemies all the time. Right? So things that basically let you quickly get rid of an enemy with a lot of health without having to spend a ton of clicks to do it uh, is great. That's what this card does. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't give you a bonus to your combat, so you still have to maybe commit stuff to yeah, pass. Just, yeah, just play Mark. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the big the, the big operant thing here. I think it's really, really good for, like, Mark, um, who has a base 5, and then, like, basically has base 7, because he can just think about his dead wife, and then he'll be at a 7. Um, but some other Guardians might struggle to get up up to those those levels. I mean, now there's a lot of cards that help you, like uh, Daring, and, and you can just commit, you know, like... That, a, that's the thing. Something like, else. like, if you're a Guardian, you have to have a way to get your combat up to, like, 8-ish, or to hit big enemies anyway. So unless mm-hmm. you're totally relying on your weapon to do it, like you have a weapon that's giving you a huge bonus, you should be able to use your, like, well-prepared or high roller or Daring and Overpower, like those kind of cards. Like, whatever cards you normally use to boost, you should be able to use with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that like Optum Play listed it as one of the cards that they're going to be taking out of their collection, but but we like it here. They they should give it a try. Uh, it's a, it's a really solid card. Um, yeah. Gold Pocket then, Watch. Pocket Watch is always a cool card. It's it not like you get it late game and uh, you can use it to do like a double a double turn or like skip the enemy phase or something. And it's just like a, I feel like there's like really cool ways you can be like oh we had to kill this boss we don't want to we can't do it in one round but what if we had two rounds yeah <laughs> exactly uh, yeah so. fond memories of being in depths of yoff with with y'all and and colin and and pocket watching a whole turn from from ursula because she can include it because it's a relic and then having like mark and and finn and i think it was akachi or somebody just wail on yig from like 30 health to zero <laughs> <laughs> I think what's really, what's really fun about it is like probably the most of the time you skip mythos phase, right? Maybe under certain circumstances, maybe you would want to skip the enemy phase instead. Uh, And then like, there's even certain very limited cases where you might want to skip upkeep because maybe you just really don't want the enemies to ready and you're fine giving up your free card and you're readying your cards. But I think like what's really, can you imagine ever wanting to skip investigator phase with this? That's something I I think about sometimes. Like, is there I think any... if you're creeping as Safina, that's exactly what you do. Like, is there any reason else? you'd ever want to do that? Maybe I don't know. Why would Safina want to skip investigator phase? <laughs> She's just tired. She wants a nap. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's, it's, probably... it's definitely a cool card. Yeah, yeah. And, and this finished off shriveling, giving it a level five version, where gives giving Mystics a way to like consistently do three damage, although at at a high cost if you draw a spooky symbol. Yeah. Um, Easy to mitigate with future cards like uh, the Gotest Statue and stuff, but uh, still, still very powerful. Still, I still see play in a lot of Mystic decks. Uh, but yeah, so I mean that that was all the Dunwich cards uh, yeah. in scenarios. Uh, before we did our final thoughts, did we want to briefly talk about? Do we want to do? A, we never decided how we want to do this. Do we want to talk about our <laughs> final thoughts first, or did we want to talk about Read or Die? Let's we'll talk a little bit about Reader Die, just because it it technically is in the Dunwich uh, place. It's it's in Mystic Dunwich University. Um, for those who haven't played it yet, um, it uses Dunwich cards. That's, yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah. It uses yeah. Jazz. Yeah. Uses all the campaign. So, I mean, this was a new printer play scenario that I think Matt and Jeremy pushed out a week or two ago. Spoilers. <clears throat> uh, 
Yeah, uh, I was going to try to do it without spoilers, but uh, just like it's kind of like a neat scenario where you replay Dunwich and you have to have Daisy involved. And uh, her whole goal is the goal, like all the books in her deck get like spread out throughout the university and you have, she has to go collect these books uh, mm. in order to like complete the objective. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a fun reuse of of an existing map and like tweaking the goals around and like throwing in like an extra monster or two just to twist it up. And I, I don't know, I thought it was neat. Uh, it's like uh, I'm excited for the potential of like maybe revisiting other scenarios with like a specific investigator uh, and like tweaking how the map works or something to to um, you know, just give a different twist on it or yeah. like something weird with that investigator's abilities or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. It opens up a ton of dynamics. I know it's it's like a new thing that people are pretty hyped about, and I'm, I'm excited about it as well. So, you know, I thought it was worth uh, throwing in on this Dunwich episode. Uh, and they also introduced the Parallel Daisy. I don't know if we wanted to go too much into that, but uh, it's just like a, opens up a lot of design space for, like, revisiting old investigators that... Uh, 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 that uh, gives them like a different spin. Like this one, like it makes it so like her books, she can like use them all at once as one big powerful like flashy effect, and they also mm. like boost willpower and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I'd love to see them. Uh, I'd love to see them do this more broadly for like maybe as an alternative to the taboo list for invent. Like in some cases, like Rex, it's pretty simple. You can just taboo him to like only be able to use his ability once per turn. It's a pretty simple change. But maybe for mm. other investigators, you know, provide like an alternative that maybe like has deck building that works a little better or like uh, is a little bit less strong in terms of its ability or something. It's just a cool thing they can do now. Yeah. Yeah. And they also made like the advanced versions of these weakness and signature card, which kind of like make the signature card more powerful, but also the weakness scarier. Um, and I don't know. I think that's like a cool thing to like revisit some investigators. I, I'm just excited for the potential, like revisiting old investigators and maybe tweaking them to still have the same theme, but maybe make their, mechanics work a little bit better or, or, or smoother like daisy i think was already like in a pretty good shape so i don't i i don't know if she really need to be tweaked too much but there's there's definitely other investigators i think are played less or like a lot harder to take advantage of their abilities um it'd, but they, it, it'd be cool it. to see like parallel rita who can use like rogue cards or something you know yeah something like yeah that. maybe that's what i'm talking about yeah that would be great because right now she can only use those like three trick cards <laughs> but uh yeah it's cool i just flashed i just looked back at looking at the chat and there's some uh, crazy ideas about how to use <laughs> i was gonna mention it in a second but but yeah uh oh boy good way to grief deck with a du- double the enemy face with a pocket watch <laughs> If if you hate your friends, yeah. But uh, um, so yeah, uh, I mean, Dunwich as a whole is like a solid uh, first campaign. Obviously, it hooked us all into playing this game forever. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I feel like the its strongest point coming at it from like you know five cycles later, it's got some of the most powerful player cards, and maybe it had to just so that you know classes could start out on good foot and things but i mean it really it really laid the foundation for seekers especially and and it kind of like pushed us towards i know that at least we knew um and and were pushed more towards seekers and guardians because of the fact that they had things like i've got a plan they had things like 
you know, dodge from the core set combining with like lightning gun, for example, is, is a is a big XP gun that you can use um, as an alternative to like Monster Slayer and smaller guns. They had a lot of different options provided. Um, whereas Rogue and Survivor didn't necessarily have as much accessibility in terms of like the two biggest things that you're doing in the game, right? You're doing um, proactively, you're getting clues to help win the game. Uh, reactively, you're fighting monsters. Rogues kind of like delayed that from happening, but they didn't really have too much in, in by way of like contributing to clues or things like that. Eventually, yeah. with like Finn, we got more of that, but yeah. I mean, I think the Dunwich cards are like a little bit more straightforward and like, oh, this does some action compression or, or this, you know, it's it's easier to evaluate like why this card, why a card can be is good and powerful. While later cycles have more wackier cards that can have like weird fun interactions uh to, to make them strong um and i think rogues are like lean more into like the weird fun interactions <laughs> to be able to do cool stuff and it wasn't as much of that in dunwich uh, i think they i think they've also said that they developed dunwich alongside the core set um mm-hmm. like pretty much at the same time and i think they basically made a pool of player cards and then picked out a part of it to put in the core set and the rest went into dunwich so you can feel that kind of continuity, I think, between all these different cards. Um, I also think in terms of the like the scenario design of the campaign, um, it's definitely been, I think, surpassed by some of the later ones that are just a little bit more interesting that are doing different things. But I think that playing Dunwich first makes you appreciate how Carcosa does the kind of like spooky, unreliable narrator stuff and how the other campaigns have like more mechanical complexity. Like You definitely appreciate those more if you've already done... <laughs> Which is, I'm not trying to say Dunwich is bad. I'm just trying to say that Dunwich kind of like sets the like default of like this is like kind of like the replacement level campaign, and then afterwards you get to see things that go off in different directions. Yeah. Charles yeah. asking the chat like where we rank Dunwich compared to everything else without getting too deep into like spoilers on other campaigns. Uh, I don't know. I I like Dunwich still. Like we're replaying it with like all rogues, which is an interesting experience. But um, <laughs> actually, unseen is going to be but, really special. I can't wait for that. Uh, but um, I don't know. I guess it's one of the lower campaigns for me now, just because I think a lot of the newer campaigns have been very innovative on the system and done create creative stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I've been Friday has just been growing on me, uh, so I might like. I it. know. I know maybe Dan, maybe not Dan, but uh, you guys are, you guys are weird. <laughs> I think yeah, so. I think Dunwich, like, I, th- I feel like uh, is maybe at the same level as like uh, I think I said the second half of Dream or Campaign B for Dream Eaters. I thought was closer to Dunwich overall, mm. but I think the rest of them I like more than Dunwich. Like Circle Undone, Campaign A, Dream Eaters, definitely Carcosa. I- I'm kind of with you there. I think that um, a lot, I kind of thought a little bit about it and I think um, it's, it's mostly to do with, I guess the way that Dunwich is presented um, as opposed to like a cycle like Carcosa, for example, there are a lot of like idyllic things in Carcosa, like the pallid mask. You're just chasing this guy around for the whole thing. And you've got this idea of this mask in your head. You've got the yellow sign, which is also kind of like a symbol that runs throughout the whole thing. Um, You've got the whole uh, dueling, um, Uh, doubt or conviction thing going on so there are these like really deeply ingrained things with the lore um, that are reflected in the mechanics that that kind of go about uh and and you know succeed in a lot of different ways whereas in in dunwich looking at it 
there isn't a lot of there isn't like one singular thing that you're following from the whole from you know point A to point you know to to lost in time and space. It's just a lot of different like uh, scenery, and you don't really get one specific thing. Like if I had to pick the most memorable scenario for me, it would be the Essex County Express, and that's not even like a place. That's like when you're trying to go from point A to point B. You know, like that's that's like what happens in the middle. So like. I feel like maybe the the most uh, one of the other memorable points is is uh, Blood on the Altar because that's when you first see Dunwich as what it really is. Um, but there's not really like a singular thing that ties everything together in Dunwich in the way. It's just kind of like you're dealing with these like weird grody situations with these like weird country folk and um, eventually sucked into space. Um, but otherwise, kind of more in Arkham. So for that reason, for the reason like that, it's not a singular thing that, that flows in, in, in both the lore and the mechanics. I don't like it as much as I like Carcosa and Dream Eaters and things like that. I think it'll be good to compare it against, like, Innsmouth when it comes out, because Innsmouth I'm expecting to be a similar, like, focused on a spooky town where everyone hates you type of I'm, thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for Innsmouth because I realized that, uh, you know, the, the joke that, like, the even-numbered Star Trek movies are the good ones? I'm, I at least at least for me, there's like I'm realizing there's kind of the same pattern with these campaigns because I really I think like Carcosa and Circle and Dunn are like up here, like those are the really good ones. And then the other ones I, I like and dislike various parts of them, and it's really hard to like rate them against each other. But like they're all kind of like a pile down below. But like uh, Innsmouth, so this is going to be the sixth full campaign, not counting the corset. So we're we're back in even numbers. It's going to be really great. I'm excited. <laughs> As, as the word conspiracy right in the title this is going to be a a mythology episode of the x-files right like it's i'm excited yeah i mean like i guess it's good to bring up too in in the circle undone this was also in arkham right like this is and and i remember going into it i was like well how are they going to make it different from the arkham that we know from the core set and from like the first part of dunwich and then they did a really good job with it you know it felt far spookier far you deeper into the uh, the the witch and and Sil- uh, silver twilight lodge theme than than this yeah. did, so yeah. So yeah. Uh, the six investigators. Uh, well, I don't think I think Innsmouth has been confirmed only at five, uh, unless unless there's something I didn't know. I think like the advertisements and stuff say five on them. Unfortunately, very sad. Because we were all excited for, like, Charlie Kane as a neutral investigator or something weird. <laughs> See, this is another reason Circle Undone is so good. It had 11 investigators. But to be fair, they are releasing five uh, starter decks, like, a month or two before Innsmouth. So it's like, I was about to say that, yeah. You say it's kind of like we get 10 investigators. And, yeah, there you and go. Really, and we know those are going to be more novellas. Like, it's not going to just be Dexter, right? There's going to be, like, another four, at least, from that set. <laughs> We got lots of new investigators coming down the pipe. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. I know it went a little long and we had some technical difficulties along the way, but we got there. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, for all of you guys who are inevitably going to be watching on YouTube, um, we had fun doing it and we, we want to come back together and, and hang out on stream with you guys soon. Um, check us out on Facebook or Reddit. Drop us a comment here or wherever you listen to podcasts. Email us your Dunwich experiences. If you have any cool happenings that you know, any any interesting personal stories that happened in Dunwich, at comments at mur.fm. 
Well, until next time, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>